0: Hey, y'all, and welcome back to Uplift Fit Nutrition Radio. I'm your host, Lacey Dunn, future registered dietitian here to spread the scientific knowledge in the world of fitness and nutrition. Today, I have registered dietitian and contest prep coach Dylan Baer on board, ready to talk about fad diets, nutritional strategies, and more. So let's get this thing rolling. Hey, Dylan. Thank you so much again for joining with me today on Uplift Fit Nutrition Podcast. I'm super excited to have you on board. I know we just had your girlfriend, Lauren, on board. So now it's your turn. So why don't you just give a little bit of background about yourself? So as you guys probably don't know, Dylan is a contest prep coach and a registered dietitian and a friend of mine. So Dylan, why don't you tell them about who you are, what you do, and how you got started in the fitness and the health industry.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Lacey, for having me on. And as you said, yeah, you just had my girlfriend on your previous podcast and she said she had a blast and I listened to that and you guys did an amazing job. Um, But yeah, as you said, I am a registered dietitian as well as a contest prep coach and a little bit about myself. Um, I went to the Ohio State University, and I got both my undergraduate degree there as well as graduate degree. Um, I got my undergrad degree in business and nutrition, and then I just recently graduated last spring, got my master's degree in medical dietetics, where then I became a a registered dietitian. And what kind of was the motivation to to go to grad school for medical dietetics um, was just, as you know, there's just so much B.S., In the industry, and especially the fitness industry. Could you agree with that?
0: Oh, 110%.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, when I was an undergraduate, uh, I was a personal trainer, and that's kind of how I paid for a lot of my college. Um, And as a personal trainer, and just listening to other trainers talk about nutrition, I was just like, what are these guys even talking about? Um, So that's when I did a lot of my research on my own. Um, went and, you know, just talked to a lot of the professors at Ohio State that were dietitians and kind of learned more about what it was like to become a dietitian, what a dietitian did, and, uh, yeah, that was kind of my motivation to, after I graduated undergrad, pursue a master's degree in medical dietetics so I could basically provide evidence-based recommendations to all my clients um, that I trained. So I wanted to combine the training aspect along with the diet aspect, which as everybody knows, goes pretty, pretty hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've always, I've always been science based. And that's just the way it is. A lot of people will um, disagree with a lot of things I have to say. But uh, you know, I am very evidence based, and I just tell it how it is. So
0: yeah, I know um, there's a lot you, of trainers you know, that are still stuck in that mindset of, you know, past data or, you know, the whole bro, the bro diet kind of thing. So I think it's super important to diet. be science-based. Yeah. Yeah,
1: you're exactly right. So the whole bro diet approach, uh, you know, back in the, the 80s and 90s, because that's that's what Arnold did. So it must have worked, right?
0: Yeah. Sadly, that's what people think.
1: Yeah, Exactly. Um but yeah so and then I told you I'm a, I am a contest prep coach and the motivation behind that was cuz my dad's actually a contest prep coach down in uh, the Tennessee area and that kind of sparked my interest in the bodybuilding and fitness world more um you know and he has his own approach uh you know and I tend to disagree with a lot of his approaches cuz you know he he grew up around the Arnold era as well um but that was kind of my motivation to specialize in the contest preparation uh and you just so many people are just don't know they're unaware of all the stuff and the protocols that a lot of these contest prep coaches provide their clients with uh, that's just really there's no science behind any of it okay um and that's my motivation currently uh and within the past year especially i've been growing my uh my team Bear aesthetics and we've been growing uh and trying to bring the world of dietetics to bodybuilding okay uh, it, it, there's just truly not much science um, if any at all, there's kind of just like these crazy um, eat clean, you know feel follow this meal plan dietary approach, eat 600 calories a day, let's do cardio and you know hours on hours every single day kind of kind of thing. Um, and will that yield results? Yes, however, it's not optimal, nor is it healthy. So as a dietitian, I want to implement health. Um, and then when you implement health and you try to make things more fun along the way, the results will follow. And, and that's kind of my motivation to, you know, the contest prep uh, coaching aspect. So,
0: Yeah, I just love that. And I love your mindset and what you just said because with health, like when you're 100% healthy, when you're fueling your body, you can give actual 110% towards your goals. If you aren't properly fueling your body, you aren't able to do that. You aren't able to be your best and do your best up on stage
1: yeah you're exactly right and and I couldn't tell you how many uh how many of these people that are eating the six hundred calories a day diet you know doing hours of endless amount of cardio um none of them are going to tell you that they're they're running at the optimal rate you know a lot of them are just going to say yeah. Um, you know, sacrifice the win kind of mentality. But there are other options out there. And that's truly my motivation is to, you know, every day, you know, preach and, and educate others. I just don't know better um, that there are other safe, healthy, and more fun alternatives to uh, to do things like for prepping for a bodybuilding competition.
0: Yeah. As much as there's bad info about prepping, hands down, <laughs> you can do it the right way. So what would be yep. your favorite part about um, your internship and the things you learned about being a registered dietitian?
1: So that's a good question. So um, for those that are unaware, you have to do a uh, – in order to become a registered dietitian, you have to do an internship, and I believe it is 1,200
0: yes. hours. Yeah. Is
1: that right, Lacey? You mm-hmm. think you're ready to Yeah, 1,200 hours, which is a lot, especially when it's, you realize it's unpaid, um, so Great. again, that's where, where the yeah right, it's just so ridiculous. Um, but you know, it just forces you to wait. You know, figure out ways to, to make money, which again, it was my motivation to train and and pay for schooling that way um, and set my own hours. So you know, those are there that are going or looking into dietetics. If you're you know pursuing a training route as well, I think it goes really hand in hand because you can set your own hours um, and you know because you're putting in forty hours a week of free, free work, essentially, um, doing these rotations. Um, but you learn a lot. Okay. So I learned so much throughout the, the entering process. Um, I had about six different rotations. I want to say, I don't know. It's been been over a year ago, which is crazy to think about. Um, but yeah, you know, it's really cool because you don't, people don't understand how big dietetics is and what it actually is. Um, you know, when people say, you know, here that I'm a dietitian, a lot of the, the times they're like, so what do you do? Um, and, like I kid you not, so I would be going to my clinical rotation and some of the nurses, nurse practitioners as well as doctors would be like, so you're a registered dietitian, so what what can you do here to the healthcare team? I'm like, are you guys
0: Oh, my here? God.
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, it was it was very fun kind of to, you know, show the healthcare team where dietetics comes into play, you know, um, from a clinical standpoint where we can do with the patients as far as education goes, um, you know, and that's that's something, you know, with the clinicals, clinical rotation of my internship, um, I I really learned that a lot of the, the doctors don't really do much education, um, and that's where the dietitians are going to come into play. You get, a, get one-on-one times with the, the patients and sit down, hear about their lives and, and kind of figure out. What kind of lifestyle dietary approaches they can take um but amongst the the clinical rotation, you know we did uh food service, which was you know it it's it was fun interesting, I realized I did not want to to do food service me either. Um, it's very <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean I like it uh you know it's very business um but there's really not much dietetics into into the whole food service um part do you uh do you know much about what the food service rotation yours is looking like
0: uh no not at all but i'm hoping it's somewhat management based because that would be a lot better than actually in culinary food service as much as i like making food and eating food i don't want to clean up after others
1: (laughs) yes well that's why we're not nurses okay that's why she's born um because yeah she's gonna be the one You know, doing all the the hands-on stuff with the patients and and us as dietitians, as far as the hospital dietitians go, you know, we just do a lot of the calculating nutritional needs, um, which I love. You know, I actually was surprised because I I went into grad school knowing what I wanted to do, you know, start my own business, um, you know, be more of the sports dietitian and help athletes. And uh, I was like not looking forward to my clinical rotation as a dietitian. But I actually loved it because it was very numbers oriented. I am very good with numbers um, and calculations and things like that. So uh, you know, you with the clinical aspect, you, I do as a dietitian, you, you calculate a lot of the two feedings mm-hmm. um, and uh, a lot of the nutritional needs, which I just found very uh, very intriguing. So,
0: oh, that's me too. I but, love intero uh, yeah. and parental nutrition.
1: Yes, it, it's it's fun. You, you'll like that rotation. Um, And then, you know, you have the community rotation as well, which I was involved with a uh, high schools and elementaries and kind of just doing nutrition education classes, which I love. I love kids. Um, And just going into the kids, the kids with classes and and interacting with them and finding fun ways that they can learn nutrition. Um, I I truly love doing that. And we went into the, to a local YMCA and we held classes and and they kind of utilized me as because I had a training background as well. So I, I would, uh, you know, train them for some gym sessions and, uh, then after the gym sessions, they would, we'd just sit down and we'd educate them more on the, you know, the basics and fundamentals of nutrition. So, um, you know, we'd bring in the food models and kids love the food models. So that was a definitely a, a fun part of my internship. Um, and then let's see, I can't even think of what other kind of interns that we had. That's crazy that I can't remember. Um, my last internship, you're going to have a, uh, basically whatever you want, um, to to specialize in so the the professors will help you manage what internship is your last one um it's called we called it a culminating internship do you have that Lacey?
0: yes yeah we have two or three weeks that we can do whatever we want
1: oh really so we had so my my program was about two and a half years but my uh, culminating internship was um it lasted two semesters oh um, wow two full semesters and yeah and it was i was kind of happy with that um because i uh I worked at a company called Vital, which is in Columbus, right right next to Ohio State campus, and I got to basically play the role of an actual registered. I was a registered dietitian, you know, as a student um, within the company, as well as a trainer, and I would go train the clients. And I basically uh, ran my, uh, we ran a 12-week weight loss program, and I had about 40. Forty employees interact um and over the twelve week period I mean we lost over five hundred pounds and uh, wow, you know, that was just motivating like like me as a student, that I could come up with a program that actually you know with the training and diet dietetic aspect and see results like that and uh it was just a, a fun learning experience so
0: that's that amazing
1: yeah it, it was a good good time, and the <clears throat> employees really liked it and, um they you know, they're all interactive and, uh, they, they love to ask questions and I, I love questions. I love talking about, um, dietetics day in and day out as, uh, you know, I'm sure you do as well, which is why you're pursuing the mm-hmm. dietetics. Um, but we could talk about this stuff all day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could. I can definitely see you in corporate wellness if you enjoyed that.
1: Yes. I, you know what, I, you're not the only person that has suggested that. So, uh, you know, who, who knows what, uh, you know, I am very open-minded and always willing to, uh, to to try something new, so.
0: Well, perfect. Wow, that's a lot of information, and I'm so excited to do my internship, and that just, like, makes me even more excited.
1: You should be excited. You're going to learn so much. You're going to meet so many new people along the way. Um, I mean, you know, that that last internship, um during that challenge. I mean I, I currently have uh about four lifestyle clients because of that internship. So um they after I graduated, they they all just randomly send me emails saying, Hey, now that you're a registered dietitian, we'd love to work with you. Um and that's just that's just truly humbling to me, you know, that um they enjoyed it so much that they are actually willing mm-hmm. to pay for my help after I graduated. So um you have a lot to look forward to so I'm excited Yay. for you.
0: Thank you. Okay, you so um. Let's go ahead and jump into this Q and A. Answer these questions that um our followers, our listeners have asked us. So I know both sure, of us sure. have questions. Um. So let's kind of like talk back and forth. Um, and each other answer yeah. these questions. Uh, did you want to start with a question, or did you want me to start?
1: Um. I, it's up to you. I don't care. I've got some. I'll. I'll go ahead and start us off. Okay. Um, so I did have. I have uh, a question, and it's really not a question, but it said meal timing. And you and I both know that this can go a couple different ways. So uh, I'll let you just chime in as far as meal timing goes um, and what are your thoughts of, of meal timing and uh, how you utilize it with yourself as well as you amongst your clients.
0: I think in regards to meal timing, the most important thing is that you spread out for. Um, at least for gaining lean muscle and keeping on muscle, is you spread out your protein throughout the day. Um, that way, you can hit your muscle protein thresholds at max. Um, I don't think there's a certain number of meals a day that you should eat. I think it's definitely yeah. individualized. But and eating, you know, six meals a day is not better than eating four meals a day, which is not better than eating three meals a day. But um, you got it. Yeah, I think in regards to meal timing, the most important thing would be that muscle protein synthesis thresholds, and also in regards to performance for workouts. So making sure that you're eating yep. quality food at the correct time for your workout. What about you?
1: You, you got it. I mean, you 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 nailed it. So uh, you, I agree with everything that you said. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people. The whole meal time he goes, uh, and I'm sure you've heard it, you know, you've got to eat every two to three hours to quote unquote, you know, stoke the metabolism, okay? Um, you know, that is a big misconception uh, in the fitness area. You know, a lot of people that come to me just to lose weight, uh, you know, they're like, I have to eat, you know, six to eight meals, don't I, a day and, and every two hours? And you know what? If you like doing that, by all means, go ahead and do that. But there's there's nothing that's going to get you, you're not going to get a better result in doing that, okay? Um, that, that was actually the whole meal timing, uh, you know, eat every two to three hours, I believe was sparked by the, uh, the supplement company, believe it or not. So the, the supplement industry, um, you know, they wanted you to basically, you know, tell people, to, you know, eat breakfast and then eat lunch. And a lot of people are are at work, um, and they can't basically eat two every, you know, two hours after their breakfast. So the supplement industry is like, you know, you know, buy our whey protein or buy these bars. And uh, supplement it in between meals one and three, um, and then likewise after you know after you eat lunch, before meal um, before meal five, you know have our have our whey protein shakes you know after your lunch to to eat every two to three hours. So, um, but yeah, that you know, doesn't it, surprise it really me different. at all
0: because back when that was told, that's when you know Slim Fast and Weight Watchers and everything was booming. So that doesn't surprise me whatsoever.
1: Yeah, you're you're exactly right. Um, meal timing, you know, it, it just depends on your schedule. So uh, I, I leave it up to my clients. I, I tell them, uh, you know, if you can eat six, meal, six meals a day and you enjoy doing it, by all means, go ahead and do that. But a lot of people's schedules just don't um, line up to that. You know, they're on the move. And, uh, you know, the college students, you know, college students are on the move as well. So uh, if you're in class. You know, eight, eight hours of the day, you, you know, sometimes it's hard to eat every two to three hours. So um, if you need to eat, if you can only eat two to three meals a day, you know what, that's, you can go ahead and do that. You, what ends up mattering at the end of the day is total caloric intake and macronutrient profile of the total calories. So would you agree with
0: that? I would 100% agree with that. Now, I know we, um, I think so, it was you who mentioned something about, um, mentioned to me, you know, pre-workout nutrition, so you eat your pre-workout, and then you're, yeah. m- like yeah. you're still in that muscle protein threshold pretty much a little bit through your workout after and after you your workout. workout.
1: You're yeah. exactly right, yes. Um, so, and, okay, so we're going to talk about the, the post-workout anabolic window, so to speak. So everybody's um, – how many people have, you know listening have seen the, the person at the gym finish that last rep and, and go to the locker and hurry up and scarf down that shake? Um, because they don't want to miss the post-workout anabolic window. Um, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of science and evidence debunking this as a myth. Uh, you know, what's actually more important than post-workout nutrition is the pre-workout nutrition. I would um, agree. Just think about it. I mean, you're you're consuming a meal. Um, you know, everybody's going to be different. You know, some people like to eat a meal two hours before they train, one hour before they train, 30 minutes right before they go to the gym. Um, it doesn't matter. You know, you're going to still be digesting that that meal for hours afterwards. Okay. So, um, you know, you're going to elicit the same kind of anabolic response uh, to the post-workout meal. Um, if you eat it two minutes after your last rep or a couple hours after your last rep. So, uh, pre pre-workout nutrition trumps post-workout nutrition. Um, and for those of you guys that like, uh, like to read the science and literature like Lacey and I do, um, there's a paper. It's called "Nutrient Timing Revisited." Um, is there a post-exercise anabolic window? And the the writer of this is named um Alan Aragon. Have you heard about this paper, Lacey?
0: Oh yeah, and I, I love Alan Aragon. He's yeah. fantastic.
1: Alan, Alan Aragon, yeah. So if you guys don't know who that is, Alan Aragon is just he is just one of the top dogs in the in the fitness industry, and and, and he's uh, nice and he's you know, humble.
0: Yeah. <laughs> He is
1: very humble, and I just love him. He's hilarious, um, just an all-around great guy. Um, but yeah, he's got that that paper, and it just basically just it, it uh, debunks all the the myths as far as nutrient timing goes, and especially that that post workout anabolic window.
0: Yeah, a lot of people don't understand that your 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 muscle protein synthesis is elevated for up to seventy two hours after. So yeah. people forget yeah, you're, about that. You're right.
1: Yep. And, uh, you know, you talked about earlier the the protein threshold. And there's a there is one question that we got asked, how much protein she said synthesized. She said how much protein can be synthesized in one meal. But I'm thinking that she means absorbed. Um, but since you mentioned the threshold, you know, you want to talk a little bit about that and I'll try and end as well with that.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's any specific because there's various different um, studies that have shown different results. Um, Of course, all the protein you eat is, it's not just going to be like excreted if you have too much. It's going to be digested and utilized in some way. So I normally, from the studies I've seen, um, 25 to 35 Uh grams is a typical dose for the best amount. What would be your opinion?
1: Yep, and I would agree with that. Yeah, 20 to 40 grams, you know, um, in a meal would be, you know, the most optimal optimal range of protein per meal. Um, but like you said, your body is going to utilize the protein no matter what, okay? Um, a lot of people think that if you eat too much protein, it's going to be excreted through your feces. No, it, it isn't, okay? Um, your, pro- your body will digest the protein. It's just going to take more time, and your body is so smart it will actually slow down the overall digestion of the nutrients that you're consuming, um, in order to digest it all. So if you eat 100 grams of protein in one sitting versus eating it in multiple sittings, you know, you're at the end of the day or days, you know, your, your body will still eventually digest all of that hundred grams of protein. Um, now one thing to take note of is if you consume, uh, too much protein, you know, a lot of people think it will be excreted through the the urine, which, yes, it it can. Um, But first off, it's going to be converted into uh, glucose through a process called gluconeogenesis. Um, And if if you guys know, glucose is just carbohydrates. So um, if you're consuming a lot of protein, which, you know, in the bodybuilding world, a lot of guys especially – they like to consume, I've heard crazy amounts like three to four grams per pound of body weight, which is ridiculous. Um, your body is, is going to, you know, basically, um, convert that into, uh, into carbohydrates. So you're basically eating more expensive carbohydrates and I would rather eat carbs than proteins, but that's just my personal preference. But, uh, yeah. yeah, the
0: only basis I can think about for that is either they're idiots, which I hate to say that, but um, either that, or <laughs> they want the thermogenic the thermic-ogenic effect of eating protein, which... Oh, yeah, um,
1: yeah, yes, yes. the thermic effect of food, so yeah, which is very high, um, yeah, but it's not going to make that much of a difference.
0: Yeah, so it's probably option number one. Yep, you got it. So... Awesome. Um, I got a question who, um, is it better to eat fats in place of carbs for fat loss? And straight up, I think the first thing to say is it all is individual because as you know, everybody responds differently to different macronutrients, And especially if somebody has insulin resistance, that's a whole different story. So what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, it is. You know what? It's always going to depend. You know, everybody wants that, that plain answer. You know, tell me what to do. And it truly depends, um, which that's where having a coach can definitely be beneficial for a lot of you people. Um, because that's, you know, as a job, as, as a coach, you know, we got to figure out what works best for that individual. Um, you know, it, looking at all my clients, you know, I've got some clients that, that, uh, you know, personally like lower carbohydrates um, and they like higher fats and their body responds well to that. Whereas I've got some clients that, you know, it, they just, they need carbohydrates in order to see fat loss. Um, and, you know, I've got some, a lot of my girls, one girl who I just had competing in the bikini, um, you know, we went to the show and the lowest we got her carbohydrates was 250 grams a, a day. That was the lowest we ever went with her um, just because her body thrived off carbs. Um, And I, you know, and I gave her refeeds of of quite a bit of carbohydrates as well. So you're going to find those, um, those people that can just, you know, genetically, um, you know, utilize carbs a lot better than some people. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's again, a lot of it comes down to personal preference. Okay. Um, Do you like, you know, lower fat diets or, or lower carb diets? So.
0: Yeah, and that's a whole different um, thing too is finding what you like it because is. you'll stick to that a lot yeah. more. Even I would say like yeah, even if your body right. runs better on carbs, if you don't like the carb, like you're not going to you're not going to follow that and then stick to it and then you're not going to see results. So definitely I think yep. one of the biggest keyest factors is what you like as well. Of course, if you don't like vegetables, yep. you're still going to have to suck it up, but <laughs> definitely <a hunch laughs> you have to suck it up.
1: Yes. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you, if you don't like a certain way of dieting, then, you know, why would you want to do that? Um, you know, figure out what you personally would like to do, to do. Um, and that's, what's going to end up falling, which, you know, that's why I am a huge advocate of flexible dieting. Um, you know, and I don't, it's funny because as a dietitian, I hate writing meal plans where I can legally write meal plans. Um, I choose not to because it is not a lifestyle, okay? We determine, you know, I'm all about advocating and coaching people on how they can diet for a lifestyle and implementing flexible dieting for all my clients and teaching them how to do that. That is a lifestyle change, okay? It's not an actual quote-unquote diet. Um, So, and, and you know, finding, utilizing the flexible dieting approach, uh, my clients get to choose what foods that they, they want to incorporate in their diet. And I have found that, you know, utilizing that, they see better results, you know, they're happier, they're having more fun, um, eating foods that they, they enjoy the best. Um, you know, they, they yield better results that way. Um, and, and a lot of people, you know, you're, you've heard it, I've heard it all, you know, all the time, um, especially in the bodybuilding world, you know, oh, you can't get lean, you know, flexible dieting, and all you eat is, you know, cookies and Pop-Tarts, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that's truly not not the case whatsoever. You know, I always advocate nutrient density, um, you know, nutrient-dense foods, fruits, whole grains, um, et cetera. And I, I recommend, I give all my clients a, a fiber goal, okay, um, a fiber minimum goal. And by doing that, it basically, um, you know, naturally will force them to incorporate nutrient-dense foods um into their diet and then if they have a sweet tooth one night you know they're just they're craving something like a cookie or they're craving some halo top or something of that nature you know what if they've got all their micronutrients in for the day by all means you can incorporate those foods in so long as it fits with the macronutrient prescriptions that i've given them for that day
0: yeah, it's a hundred times better to be able to fit something in that fits your macros that will satisfy that craving than to not satis- satisfy that craving and go off on a binge or go off on your diet.
1: Yep. Yep, you're you're exactly right. Um so we kind of steered away from that question. Um to <laughs> go off bit. of that question. There's <laughs> which it happens, you know. It, it, with both both that's the way it's going to be. But uh You know, I think there's some some good information said there. Um, But to go off of that question, um, there was another person that asked us low-carb versus high-carb, okay? Um, And, again, you know, we kind of mentioned a little bit about that, but, you know, I get this question several times a day. Um, You know, should I eat low-carb? Should I eat high-carb? And what people really need to take into consideration is, you know, what, what activity are we looking at, okay? What are we doing here? And again, so it always depends on the individual. Um, are we looking at, you know, somebody that's wanting for, you know, for performance reasons, because if that's the case, you know, high intensity exercises, you know, like sprinters and and sports teams like football and wrestling and and things of that nature are going to demand higher carbohydrates, um, versus lower carbohydrates, um, so, you know, it, it truly depends on what activity and uh, what we're actually doing at the what the goal, that um, task is, to, you know, before we can answer low carbs versus high carbs.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. And in regards to anything that has long-distance running, marathon running, carbohydrates are your very best friend. You even need lower protein yep. if you're a, like, marathon type of athlete. If you do not have carbs, yep. you just will – just dwindle down and not have good performance. So super important for your performance to have those carbohydrates. I know I've I've been wanting to do a lot more research in regards to that. Um, and it, it was mm-hmm. really interesting to see the amount of carbohydrates that are needed for um, glycogen replacement for, you know, post-marathon yeah. running. So very interesting research. But, um, yeah, carbs are your best friend for that. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Thanks.
1: They are. They are. And then going on the other end of the the spectrum, um, back to, you know, one, not one diet fits all. Uh, I don't know if you've seen any research on the fat adaptations, um, especially in marathon runners. Have you looked into any of that, Lacey?
0: On like the ketogenic dieting?
1: So, you know, basically like ketogenic dieting. So it's uh, a lot of these ultra marathoners who are running crazy amounts, you know, 50 to 100 plus miles. Um, they're doing these comp- competitions. Uh, a lot of them are are trying to tap into, you know, the typical. They're trying to, uh, you know, go against the the traditional higher carb diets, and they're kind of going on the lower carb end of the spectrum, and they're amping up fats crazy high. Um, and you know, I personally, you know, from the science that we have, I just don't think it is a good idea. Um, you know, but there is, there is some very minimal research cause it's just such a new, um, aspect of training for marathons. Um, there's just, there is some showing that it would be, you know, somewhat beneficial to have higher fats as opposed to lower carbs for these ultra marathoners, because as they're running, um, endless amounts of miles, you know, they're, that, that fat that they're eating in their diet is basically prolonging their energy. Oh yeah. Um, because then they're
0: in the-, the fat oxidation stage.
1: Yes, yes. And that's the, that's the whole principle behind, you know, that's the whole motivation behind trying that method. Um, But uh, again, you know, there, there's just not much research there yet. Uh, But it's, it it will, the research will steer there, okay, Um, because it is happening now, it's going to continue to go that way. Um, And that's the beautiful thing about science, you know, we, we just continue, you know, do one thing, and then it sparks an idea to, to research another, you know.
0: Yeah, well, if only if we had more research money, <laughs> then we could do more.
1: <laughs> right? Come on. We're, where's that at? So we need, somebody needs to fund you and I to, to do some kind of cool study.
0: Oh, my gosh. I, I really I want to do my own thesis, but I know it's not going to be my own thesis. So that's sad. Yeah. But
1: What are you thinking about for your thesis? Do you have any idea? I think we talked a little bit about it when I was down there in South Carolina with you.
0: I have multiple ideas. Multiple. They just don't end. Of course. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I really wanted to do some clinical ones, um, like higher protein in regards to recovery, or even um, I really wanted to do a meal timing one with protein, actually, because I wanted to, you know, test and see spreading out the meals. And I know there's been a bunch of other um, studies done, but it's just something I wanted to do myself and have it more controlled yeah. because a lot of them aren't controlled with caloric intake. So Yeah, um, you got
1: it. For sure. they're, they're not. That's that's good that you brought that on. They're, a lot of these studies, they're not. The calories don't match, which is so crucial, especially when it comes to these protein studies. I mean, they don't match the calories with the, the protein. So um, I think that would be an awesome – idea and i would totally support that and yeah
0: yeah and you also look and see what they're doing workout wise and it's like oh wait they do three exercises three days a week what
1: (laughs) right yeah so it's not practical so again that's a lot of the things um you know you gotta in order you have to learn how to digest the research um, and that's what they will tell you, especially, Lacey, and, and that's what you're going to have to look forward to in, in grad school, which I just love. Um, you know, I went into grad school already thinking I knew how to interpret a lot of the research, but grad school, they will basically educate you throughout the entire process of how to take a paper and dissect that paper, and you can basically point out every single flaw. And I don't know. There's just something about it. I just like finding flaws within papers. Um, oh, it's and, scary uh, to see, though, because
0: yeah. every single paper I have read it, has a flaw.
1: Yeah, exactly. There, There, there is, um, which, again, that's what sparks more research to be done. There will always be more research to be done. Um, science basically helps us define what not to do. <laughs> um, but there's always going to be more research that needs to, to be done. Um, but you have to, you know by learning how to, to read these research studies and don't just read the abstracts. Okay. Everybody does that. You know, some of the people that, you know, I, I do a lot of posts, you know, you know, throwing in my own true sense, you know, with the literature and, uh, you know, so many, we call them PubMed ninjas, you know, they'll, they'll try to counteract what I said and start an argument and they'll just copy and paste a, uh, a research Uh, article abstract and I'm like "Mm, here we go so then that's when I dig into the actual paper and read the actual research and find out the methodologies were just basically shit or crap sorry
0: (laughs) (laughs) you're good they are
1: yeah cool cool but uh, yeah so there's a little bit about that do you want to go with another question now
0: yeah I wanted to get your thoughts on ketogenic dieting
1: ketogenic dieting oh
0: the controversy that one,
1: okay the controversy you know so the ketogenic diet um so yeah i think somebody asked us about the health risk associated with ketogenic diets, um and a lot of people just uh you know it's associated with with weight loss okay um and people just they don't educate themselves and do the actual research um, before they actually jump into the ketogenic dieting. Uh, and my my advice is to, to steer clear away from the ketogenic dieting. I mean, there is no quality, okay? Quality is key. There's no quality research showing ketogenic dieting to be beneficial, okay? Yes, there is some research out there showing, you know, hey, you're going to lose weight via a ketogenic diet, okay? But what people do not understand is that is primarily water loss, not fat loss, big difference, okay, and what happens, tons and tons and tons of research shows, you know, after they get off that ketogenic diet, they regain the weight back every Mm -hmm. damn time, okay, so, um, you know, I tell people, you know, that I have so many people that are like, can I go ketogenic, and, you know, can I do the ketogenic diet, and I tell them, if you cannot sustain this for a lifestyle, don't even attempt it, okay, because you're just going to be doing this crazy yo-yo dieting, you know, with water fluctuations, fluid shifts, um, and it's just going to be a, a mental game at the, end of the, at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, and some scary research I saw showed from ketogenic dieting that people actually, people who were not insulin resistant developed insulin resistance and developed yes, dyslipidemia. Scary, scary, so that's scary yeah. stuff.
1: Yeah, so uh, again, so the people that support um, ketogenic diets, they tend to cherry-pick data, which a cherry pick data, it just means they'll try to find all the good studies about one thing and they'll basically throw them all at you, okay? Um, And they won't even, you know, tell you about any of the the bad things about it. Um, But, yes, uh, I have seen studies showing that ketogenic diet has led to insulin resistance and uh, that's not what we want, guys. Um, You know, the only good thing that I've found about ketogenic dieting is, There's been studies done in epileptic children that have seizures. Now, they fed them a ketogenic, very low carb diet, and some miracle way that the ketogenic diet basically stopped all seizures. Um, You know, from the research I've shown, you know, they they had these kids, um, and it basically cured more than half of the kids in the study. Um, and they, I don't think they, we just don't understand why it's something in the ketones. I'm assuming that the brain is just utilizing those ketones in a different way that stops the body from seizing, but it's amazing research. There's even some, some videos that they showed us when we were in school, um, about these kids when they, uh, were given a, a fed a ketogenic diet and it just, just, they stopped seizing and it's a uh, phenomenal research with, with that, um, other than, you know, curing, and uh, helping treat seizures, I, I see no reason to, to do the ketogenic diet, you
0: know. Well, I, I think a, I, I think a large in. reason for the epilepsy is the fact that a lot of carbohydrates can cause some inflammation. So I think that's a key yeah. player, too, in regards to that. Um, I have yeah. seen some good You're research right, with yeah. ketogenic dieting on cancer. Um, very, very awesome yeah. research. So that's actually another thing yeah. I wanted to myself go into research. Um, I wanted one of my internship places was, um, a cancer research facility that actually gets a good amount of funding. Um, so I was really hoping to dive into that. So I'm hoping to do that as well in regards to my own master's degree somewhere, somehow, but yeah, very cool. Excellent research. Yeah,
1: there is, there is some research, um, from the studies that I've shown with the cancer and ketogenic dieting. It's, uh, you know, they have a tumor present and, uh, you know it basically would would decrease the overall size within the tumor is that what you're you know some of the studies that you're talking about as well
0: yes yes of course there's some studies yeah, too is, that yeah. have debunked all that but
1: yeah exactly exactly um but uh you know honestly from the one the couple studies that i've seen from that another thing uh was it wasn't the keto it wasn't just you know from the low carbs it was the overall caloric intake was pretty suppressed um so you have to look at it from that aspect as well Mm -hmm. um you know total calories the total calorie caloric intake um but you know what it's yeah there is some research showing that it can help with uh decrease the size of tumors so yep
0: very interesting is there any other fad diets that we could talk about
1: Oh my gosh! You know, there's several. We'd be here for days.
0: <laughs> which ones annoy you the most?
1: Yeah. What? Which ones annoy me? Yeah. So I. Yeah. So we talked about it. You know. Uh, so keto diet basically goes into paleo diet. Okay. Um, and that one, I'm telling you, what, especially because I've had CrossFitter. I have CrossFit athletes, um, and almost nine out of ten times, they're coming to me and they're going. They're, they've done. Or are doing a keto or a, a paleo diet, and for those of the, you, for, for those that are unaware, it's just a basically basically a diet that uh, our ancestors, so to speak, ate back in the day. Um, you know, it's just sort of, they eat just nothing but meat, fish, poultry. Uh, preferably, it has to be grass fed, um, nuts, seeds, fruits, vegetables. you can't have any um, added sugar or alcohol. Um, in true paleo people you can't even have coffee so and i know several people that you can't have coffee coffee. (laughs) yeah so that's the legit paleo diet okay why would you do that it's like it's like you tell me you're paleo but you're really not you're like half paleo if that's the thing (laughs) um but yeah um but that one's that one's a fun fun one with the crossfitting uh industry which is crazy because again back to the high intensity exercise crossfit is so high intensity you know energy demanding work and i've done it i love crossfit okay i love crossfit um and i need my carbohydrates for that crossfit um so why would you have a lower carb approach um before going into to crossfit wad i have no idea um but yeah yeah what do you think about the paleo
0: uh, well, two easy things. Number one, coffee is a food group, and how dare you cut that out. And number two, I agree 100%. Um, freaking Ancestor died at the age of 15. Why would you want to diet the way people did when they you died young? But besides you right. that. What,
1: what, people don't even, what people don't even think about it, you know, our ancestors, they didn't stay all, oh, You know, I'm not going to eat this. Um, you know, I'm not going to eat this or that, you know, they ate whatever they found around their geographical location. Okay. So, and people just don't seem to, to realize that. And what's another funny thing is, um, you know, they have this line of paleo supplements. So, you know, that goes against the, you know, no processed foods all, all the way. Like, how are you going to say, Oh yeah, I minimize all processed foods, but yeah, every, you know, I eat this whole line of paleo supplements Or the frozen paleo meals. Frozen paleo meals. Or Lauren and I were just shopping, uh, and there's this paleo ketchup um, (laughs) that I just laughed at. So it's like $5, I think, for maybe like four servings. (laughs) But it's paleo, so it's healthy, right?
0: Right. I think that for me, the problem I see in paleo is the effect it it can have on digestion. Because I know without... You know, low carb, you're not helping promote goat motility with all those extra good fiber carbs. And um, also, you know, paleo tends to have higher vegetables which have higher food maps. So, you know, you're Mm -hmm. essentially making your digestion even worse and that is never good.
1: Yep. I agree with you on that. I do agree with you on that. So, again, paleo is a fat man. Just don't do it. Um, I don't know how much time we have, but uh, I'd, like, I'd like to talk a little bit just about one more fad. Um, you asked what, what uh, one that I just don't like at all. And that was, you know, gluten-free is one that, that just eats me up. Um, that one's gold. It's because everybody everybody seems to be going gluten-free nowadays, you know. Um, and they just don't understand that, uh, you know, a lot of times it's not the gluten that's causing the bloating. You know, a lot of people are like, I, I, I always bloat. When I'm eating, you know, breads and, and things like that, and um, and just being straight up with people, it's it's not the the gluten, it's just the overeating of calories. At the end of the day, um, you know, very few people are actually gluten intolerant. Um, you know, actually are diagnosed with celiac. I think the last that I saw, maybe four, maybe now five percent of the American population is um, actually diagnosed with celiac, which means you cannot have any kind of gluten, you know, I actually have a client that was medicinally diagnosed with celiac, so we eliminated all gluten from her diet, and uh, you know, we were just like, she would just be eating. She's like, Coach, you know, I'm I'm not you know, feeling right, and I'm like, all right, so let's just figure out, pinpoint what it is. Um, you know, she would have these random bloatings throughout the day, and I'm like, all right, so we gotta, you know, time out why and when you're bloating and figure out what foods it, they are, and uh, you know, soon enough, it was you know, from, uh, from all the gluten that she had. And, uh, you know, she's gluten-free now and, and, uh, feeling better. So.
0: Yeah. People don't realize, um, celiac disease is an autoimmune disease, which means you, mm-hmm. it's the protein that is found in the gluten that you cannot deal with. So it's not exactly. It's not like the carbohydrate is the protein in the carbohydrate that is causing them issues and they cannot have that. It causes auto, it causes immune function disorders. So it's not like, you know, going gluten-free is, is how you lose weight. It's, it's how somebody has to live to sustain a healthy life.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's what I, it just, um, especially going through my rotations and seeing, um, uh, you know, we did a clinic with kids that were, celiac okay and it was sad like it actually brought tears to my eyes you know because these kids are like i just wanted a donut you know and i'm like damn i want to give these kids a donut but i can't because they truly cannot have any kind of gluten and when i tell people that you know that are you know wanting to try this gluten-free diet as a fat, it kind of puts in perspective hey you know what you know maybe i just need to be more consistent with my overall caloric and macronutrient intake and you know have a have a better and more healthy lifestyle. Uh, And, uh, you know, when they do that, clean up their diet a little bit, you know, starting to implementing, you know, consistent training and and cardio regimens, then, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of the time that that is the answer
0: for them. Yeah. And also going off of, you know, the, the bloat and everything, you really have to take into account what vegetables you're eating, um, your fiber content yeah. of the day. If you're not eating enough fiber, you're going to have constipation. That will attribute to bloat. If you're eating too much fiber, you're possibly going to have diarrhea. So that'll yeah. cause issues. And then what a lot, um, I've There's seen a lot of more e- research on even, which is p- really sad, the amount of people these days that have bacterial infections in their gut. So that's even another thing. Yeah
1: yeah it that is uh quite quite common and yeah some more research is, is going out about that um but you know if you're thinking you're you're gluten intolerant or you're celiac um the only way to find out is to get labs done okay so get some labs done find out and then go from there okay
0: yeah if you're an, even i would say for anybody always have labs done once a year if you can
1: yeah, and that, yeah, I agree. That's what I tell all my clients. You know, they're like, "Can I get, get some lab work done?" And I'm like, "Yes, yes, yes. You know I, I encourage that anytime you can get lab work done, um, it just allows us to know that much more about your body, and I try to dial in each of my clients' bodies down to a science, and you know, try to figure out the ins and outs of every little thing about their body so we can better get them results. Um, and it's just crazy what you can do after knowing um, your labs.
0: Yeah, you can pinpoint exactly. If you're not losing weight, you can normally pinpoint out exactly what's going on from a lab.
1: Yeah, you can. You're right.
0: So I just, we probably should end this podcast here since it's at 48 minutes, but, um, I wanted to thank Uh you so much again for joining with me today. I think this is an excellent podcast. We have talked about really, um, controversial topics and I hope you guys, you listeners have enjoyed having Dylan on here. Hopefully we can have him again, but, um, Dylan, why don't you just, um, say your farewell, say where people can find you, follow you, and, um, then we will sadly end it.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been a blast. And uh, anytime you'd like to have me come back on, I'd love to, to, you know, throw my two cents in, in the science as well. Um, But yeah, you guys can follow me on Instagram at Dylan bear underscore R D. And that's bear B A I R. um, Not bear like the teddy bear, but uh, (laughs) people, but uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, thank you so much, Lacey, and uh, yeah, I look forward to to chatting more with you in the future about this these topics.
0: Thank you. Do you have a website at all people can go to?
1: Yeah, you can go to uh, if you're interested in coaching um, bear aesthetics at gmail at sorry dot com is my website, and my email is bear aesthetics at gmail dot com.
0: Dylan would be one of the amazing prep coaches. If you're thinking of competing, I would definitely trust to have you and your metabolism in his hands. So thank you so much, Dylan. Um, I will talk to you later and stay on the podcast so we can chat a little bit more.
1: All right, cool. Thanks, Lacey.